With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Volume. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or 10 bucks in 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody. Time once again for the Friday morning podcast. Alan Shipnook wrote the book, Phil, just finished it. Great book on Phil Mickelson, who has now moved to the live tour. Very controversial. Alan Shipnook, he and Greg Norman do not appear to get along. He'll be joining us in 10 minutes. First, though, fake questions, real answers. Stuff I want to talk about, but don't want to wait for you to ask me. Dear Colin, doesn't The Kyler Murray contract news perfectly sum up why he chose football over baseball. Yes, it does. Years ago when I lived in Manhattan Beach, I would go down on Saturday mornings, didn't work, get a cup of coffee, and I'd watch the surfers at the pier. And I've talked about this once before. Um, There was almost like a business application to it. That as I was watching the best surfers, They were very choosy on the waves they would hop on. The better the surfer, the fewer the waves. And it makes me think a lot about life and about business. Be patient, but make sure you grab the right wave because it will do a majority of the work for you 
regardless of how good a surfer you are. Football is a bigger wave than baseball. I mean, Mike Trout's had one Subway commercial. Does Mookie Betts have any? Shohei Otani have any? You play football. You make so much money beyond the game because the sport has so much juice, such enormous TV ratings. Patrick Mahomes has over 15 companies he's making six or seven figures on. It's not just that he can throw a football. It's that the NFL is the big wave. Let it carry you beyond the field. That's the difference. Minor league baseball, it's anonymous. Minor league football is college football. Sooners, everybody's watching. If you can choose baseball or football and economics matter, brother, it ain't close. Kyler Murray proving that. Dear Colin, former Patriot Asante Samuel says, some players in New England were brainwashed by taking less in the Patriot way. What do you make of that? That's a saucy question. Thanks for asking. I don't think it's brainwashed because I don't believe the Patriots were a cult. It's called a commitment to winning. Yes, in New England, you maybe take a little less, not that much less. You're going to be hard coached. They're going to ask you to make some occasional sacrifices. Oh, my. Most pro athletes live a life in which their parents have made sacrifices for them. Their girlfriends have made sacrifices. Maybe their wife and their kids have made sacrifices all to elevate the professional athlete. It's okay if occasionally a professional athlete makes a sacrifice too. And in New England, you are guaranteed virtually to win your division, get a couple of home football games, end up at minimum in the AFC Championship, giving you lots of free marketing, promotion, and validity. The bottom line is, maybe you took less. It's a sacrifice. Look how many people sacrifice for pro athletes on their way to getting rich. Dear Colin, Kirby Smart just signed a 10-year, $112 million deal for Georgia. Lot of money, right? Great deal, right? Actually, it's not a great contract. First of all, $11 million a year now is what the Georgia football job pays. But 10 years? If you look at their recruiting, isn't it realistic to predict that Kirby Smart's going to win one or two more national championships in the next six years? By the end of this contract, he'll be wildly underpaid. What happens if we get an expanded college football playoff? We will, and the revenues explode. I don't believe in signing long contracts. The more talented you are, you want to get to the market sooner. 10 years? 2032? You're going to be surprised with players making $8, $10 million a year in 2032, the coach may make $20 million a year. He could be making half of the top coaches. Sign shorter deals. Get back to negotiating. The more often, the better. Dear Colin, who's your hypocrite of the week? Hmm. Right in my backyard, California Governor Gavin Newsom. I see this all the time. People want to enact change. They raise the fist in victory, and then they don't expect a reaction to it. 
Gavin Newsom was on the forefront nationally of creating the NIL, the name, image, likeness legislation we have now in college sports. Empower the athlete. We're going to make college football a pro model. Hmm. All right. So UCLA said, yeah, just like the pros, we're going to upgrade to a better conference. That's what Stan Kroenke did. He was in St. Louis and said, you know, I'm going to break this deal and I'm going to go to Los Angeles and make six times as much annually than I do in St. Louis. History be damned. That's what UCLA said. Let's see. We can play Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, huge brands, or Washington State and Oregon State. And let's be honest, nobody goes to those games. We're going to do the pro model. We're going to upgrade to more revenue. So Gavin Newsom, smug in creating the NIL, naive in thinking people wouldn't react to it. UCLA and USC are very much using a pro mindset. We're upgrading for revenue. That's what owners do in professional sports. Used to be, you can't leave your conference. These are allies. Texas, Oklahoma said, eh, I like the lettuce over in the South. And USC and UCLA said, we like playing Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa more than Washington State. So Gavin Newsom, you wanted a pro model. This is the reaction to your pro model. And now you're upset with it? Dear Colin, who's the most underappreciated athlete in America this week? You know who it is? It's James Harden. James Harden looked in the mirror and said, I'm no longer a top 20 player. I'm going to take less. I want to win more. It's that kind of self-awareness I wish Kyrie Irving had or Russell Westbrook had. James Harden deserves props. Carmelo Anthony struggled with this for years. James Harden virtually overnight said, wow, I can't beat people off the dribble. Wow, I can't get 28 good shots a night. Embiid's a star. Tyrese Maxey is ascending. I'm going to take a big pay cut. Hope for winning and let the other guys make some bank. That kind of self-awareness quickly is really rare in the NBA. Good for James Harden. Listen, he's made a lot of money. But a lot of guys have. Coming to terms with your reality, going to the bathroom and staring into the mirror, it's hard for a league that is star-driven and often coddles the great scores, which Harden is, or should I say, was. Big news. FanDuel has an all-new mobile gaming app, FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete quick fun games against other real people for real cash. Has all sorts of games you're familiar with like a Home Run Derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle strategy games, and more. Contests are action-packed, last between two and five minutes. You can play on your couch, waiting in line, during a commercial break, whenever on your schedule. Practice for free anytime, that's cool. Whether it's head-to-head, multiplayer, large tournaments, FanDuel face-off, something for you. Plus, in most games, you're going to be matched against peeps of similar skill levels. 
You're not totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Faceoff also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbooks winnings in the apps. Please download the FanDuel Faceoff app and compete in a few non-cash contests. FanDuel.com, always use the code Colin. Download the FanDuel Faceoff app. Get in the game. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting all of us where it hurts, and it really hurts. It's why I started using Upside, an incredible app, Upside, for anybody who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you earn cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Please use the promo code Colin to get five bucks or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 bucks or more. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Inflation is brutal. This helps. Upside users earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app, promo code Colin. To get five bucks or more cash back in your first purchase of ten bucks or more, five dollars or more cash back in your first purchase of ten or more, use the promo code Colin C O L I N. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a ten-year, one hundred thousand mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, timing is really important in life. Location in real estate matters and timing when you write a book matters. <laughs> and Alan Shipnuck is a golf writer, 25 years at Sports Illustrated. He writes a book on Phil Mickelson. By the way, great book. Phil, the rip-roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar. And then he decides to join the Live Tour <laughs> and becomes this controversial figure. You know, after reading your book, and I guess I never gave this thought, if you had told me there's two golfers that would have joined it, I would have guessed Greg Norman, who verbalized his frustration with the PGA Tour for years, and Phil, 
who's sort of an audacious eater and gambler and liver. And it's like, I'm not surprised by it. Were you shocked by either? No, it's interesting because Phil and Greg have never been close, but they are definitely kindred spirits. I mean, they they played the game the same way, which is aggressive to the point of reckless. It's kind of how they've lived their lives. And so yeah. it almost seems like it's in the stars that they would come together at this very complicated moment for professional golf. And uh it checks out. I mean, it's interesting that the players who have gone over to live by and large fit a personality type. I mean, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. Like, yes. I'm trying to think of a, a polite term for that personality, but I mean, spiky, um, maybe. Um, and, and so it, the, it, the league is sort of forming in, in Norman's image in a lot of ways. I mean, he's always stirred the pot. He's always been controversial in some quarters. He's still, he's a pariah really. And so it's, it's uh it's fascinating how how this how this has played out and it's changed a little bit you know the addition of the most recently of Charles Howell and Henrik Stenson that's actually important for Liv because everyone likes those guys they're like nice people <laughs> right <laughs> they they need to start recruiting some choir boys because you know Pat Perez Jason Kokrak like again these guys all these are they're a very particular personality type. And so it's interesting if you're if you're trying to win hearts and minds, you have to have players that, that people like and they want to cheer for. So um, it's 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 fascinating to watch how this all plays out. Well, I've, I've talked about this with friends, Dana White, Vince McMahon. If you look, look at some of the great brand builders in MySpace, Dana White, we're going to go fight right in the middle of COVID. That's his personality. He's hyper aggressive. Um, you know, Vince McMahon has fought the critics forever. And I think you're onto something that the live tour knew it was going to take people, if not contrarian, that are kind of alpha. <laughs> but, you know, here's what's interesting to me, Alan, is there, you know, there's pearl clutching over sports gambling. And then what generally happens, a wave of people accept it. And then we all kind of take a deep breath and go, eh. So now Charles Barkley's name is out there. And I look at golfers, Alan, and I, I think to myself, well, they play golf since they're kids by themselves. A caddy is really just an employee. They're not teammates, right? Um, they're not part of really a collective. They're always based on their score, uh, independent contractors. And I think to myself, this was inevitable that this is the sport of solo artists wasn't this inevitable at some point if it wasn't if it wasn't Saudi Arabia Alan it's Amazon it's Exxon it's Apple it's right. somebody looking at the PGA and thinking you're very vulnerable you're just an organizing group this was going to happen wasn't it well and it almost did in the early 90s and that was Fox money you know that was that was Norman's buddy Rupert Murdoch who proposed uh, the two of them came up with this this world golf tour and it was a very viable competitor to the PGA Tour, but um, they didn't quite have the long money that the Saudis do. And Norman got outfoxed by a very cagey PGA Tour commissioner and Tim Fincham, who was a lawyer and a political operative. And uh, this time, the scales are a little different. Norman has more money and the current PGA Tour commissioner, Jay Monahan, doesn't have the same sensibilities as, as his predecessor. And so um, they, they've, they've gotten purchased on this. But yeah, it's... You're right. I mean, the, the tour, because it's been a monopoly on big time golf in the U.S., um, the, it had grown complacent and the product had become stale. I mean, the golf courses they choose, they've gone away from 
a lot of traditional venues in favor of these TPCs, which some are okay, but it doesn't exactly stir the soul when you see the initials TPC in front of a golf course name. And, you know, the style of play has become very one-dimensional. It's sort of analogous to baseball where it's a home run or a strikeout and that's it. I mean, the, there's the, the power game has become so emphasized on the PGA tour that the, the shot making, the finesse, the artistry, even some of the, the, uh, the cerebral aspects of the game have been de-emphasized and it's just a more boring product. So, and then you have the players, um, you know, they've, um, they, their relationship with the press has evolved where they, they all want to monetize their, their content. You know, they saw how Tiger signed this deal and Rory McIlroy signed this deal. And so they become more remote figures. Um, they're not, it's, it's harder if, 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 as reporters, if we can't tell their story and get people to care, um, that's a problem. You know, that there's a reason that, that, you know, at the Olympics, we watch all these vignettes because you have to have a, a rooting interest and it, the players have gotten more, more remote in golf. It hasn't served their interests. And so, um, there, there's a lot of things that have come together here that they did, as you say, make, make the tour vulnerable. And the, the, the complicating factor of course, is the Saudi money, because that is, that causes a lot of, uh, emotion and a lot of cognitive dissonance for people. And so that that's why we're having all these conversations, but from a pure competition standpoint, you're, you're absolutely right. The tour needed competition and now it's arrived in spades. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I was contacted by Greg Norman's people the other day and I'm interested in looking at it. And I, I, I think for instance, broadcast television was vulnerable and that really elicited a strong push by cable. Cable television's vulnerable. Here comes Netflix. And so the key is the Pac-12 is vulnerable. Here comes the Big Ten. The Big 12 is vulnerable. Here comes the SEC. The key is to not make yourself vulnerable. But some of this, let me defend the PGA, is just timing. I don't believe if Tiger Woods was in his 30s and crushing, regardless of money, Alan, Liv would not be as attractive. There was a certain panache and sex appeal that Tiger gave the tour. I mean, it was like Sopranos. I set my clock to Sunday. And I think as Tiger has become less relevant and Phil has aged, those were the two rock stars, in my opinion, after Greg Norman. I, I had a Greg Norman. I had six Greg Norman golf shirts. I mean, he, <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm not a golf shirt wearer or great golfer. But Greg was a rock star. And then here comes Tiger and Phil, rock stars. As they've diminished in relevance in a fragmented sports world, there's a, it's hard to grab onto the sport, Alan, for me. It's if I still root for Phil to be viable six, a year ago, for him to be viable on Sunday made my weekend. I don't feel I like Brooks Kepka, but I don't feel that way. Right. Yeah, there's I mean, for a decade or more, there's been hand wringing about what is golf going to look like in the post Tiger, post Phil era. Right. This has been an issue that's been thought about and talked about for a long time, and to some degree, we can't get past them because, like you know, Tiger hijacked the narrative at the Open Championship just last week. Phil remains one of the biggest stories in golf, even though he's not really playing that well. So they're they're still it's kind of the death rattle of their their relevance, right. but they can't go on forever and. And then, as you say, you lose a lot of juice, you lose a lot of casual fans. And so uh, what I think what, what Norman identified is that, you know, golf has changed. I think 4 million people tried the sport 
for the first time last year. And it wasn't on a golf course. It was at a five iron golf indoor facility. Wow. It was a, at a top golf, um, or it was, you know, any like a, a little par three course and people are coming to the game in non-traditional ways. And so what live golf is trying to do is, is capitalize on these fans who, as you say, they don't, they don't have these long rooting allegiances and they, they just want to experience the sport and their, their, their panties are not in a twist about a shotgun star or 54 holes versus 72. They just, it's not that big a deal to them. And so um, I, I think that live is, you know, it's a classic disruptor along the lines of some of those, those models that you discussed. And again, the Saudi money makes it complicated from a moral slash ethical slash geopolitical standpoint. But uh, just as a, if you can separate that and compartmentalize that, it's pretty incredible what live golf has built in a short period of time. I mean, no one would ever imagine they'd have this many hall of famers, major championship winners and relevant golfers uh, that they have in such a short period of time. And there's more coming. I mean, the open championship, I was just in St. Andrews and the, the conversation was, the air was alive with talk about this deal and that deal <laughs> and who's next and what's the number. And they're, there's, they're still going to land a few whales. And so, uh, they, you know, very quickly live as reshaped the whole landscape of professional golf. Well, and Alan, and something you touched on, um, look at the history of Amazon, which started as a bookstore, a bookstore, online bookstore. Netflix was essentially blockbuster. I own a small company. We have completely pivoted off things in 12 months. Is the people who criticize live the TV product. I'm like, folks, this, this business is less than a year old. Capital. <laughs> solves a lot of problems for small businesses. And I think in two to three years, I mean, what if Live Golf just went to a network, Fox, for instance, and said, you gave up golf to NBC. You're not a streaming company. Uh, uh, ESPN's arrival, they have a viable streaming option. We'll give you $500 million a year. Sponsor our tour, put it on your network. I mean, I don't run Fox, but geez, Alan, everybody's looking for content. That seems yeah. viable to me, right? Yeah, there's been a lot of jokes about the team element um, to live. Some of the names are kind of hokey, and some of the some of the the logos are funny. But uh, it's not fully baked out because this has been an unusual year. As there's been, they're still adding players, and they're still getting everything sorted. Next year's going to be very different. You're going to have these teams that are solidified for the whole year, and I think they're very cleverly unifying them around nations or regions, and so. If you're a golf fan, you don't care about the majestics or the, 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 these titles they come up with. But if if you're South African and there's a team of four South Africans, you're naturally just going to gravitate towards them. And of course, and they've they've got an all English team now. There's an all Spanish speaking team. You know they're they're looking to sign Hideki Matsuyama, who's the biggest star in Asia. So then if you have a, a team that represents Asia, like all of a sudden it becomes a little more viable. And I think the team aspect could take off. And that's also part of their business model is to sell these franchises. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're uh, Dermot Desmond, or, you know, this big billionaire out of South Africa who loves golf has always been in, in, interested in the game. Why wouldn't you buy that? It's just fun. It gets you access to all, all these events. And, um, and then he has a rooting interest and he brings all his capital and, and all his connections. And I, I do think that that live is going to evolve in ways that, that we aren't even fully aware of yet. And if you just, if you've been following social media, both um, Bryson DeChambeau and Graham McDowell, they've been on, on, on social media with these NFTs that they've partnered with. And that's a potentially huge revenue stream and, and something that the PGA tour has been very slow to realize. And so 
there's money to be made. And I live is, is shaking all those trees in a way that, that the PGA tour is not. And that plus the, the Saudi war chest. I mean, then, as you say, that gives them the ability to, if they don't need to make as much money from their TV deal or from some of these That's traditional right. channels, then they can be really innovative in the product. Cause if you're on golf Twitter on Sunday afternoon, for 10 plus years, people are always bitching about the TV coverage and the commercial load and the lack of innovation endlessly. It's obnoxious, but it's just there. And, you know, watching these live live streams has been a revelation in that it's all golf. It is more golf shots per second than in the history of the sport. <laughs> now, of course, they, they don't have any, they don't have any sponsors or commercials or anything that, that will probably come over time. But, you know, that's that definitely helped them in in the popular imagination. Like, wow, okay, this is this is just pure golf. And so, if they can retain that that spirit, even as they bake out their whole ecosystem, and and they are going to, of course, bring in at some point on corporate sponsors or whatever. But I think if they can, that's where they could be really disruptive. Is the golf TV product has been terrible for a very long time, and if they're going to rethink it and be really imaginative and really think about the viewer first, as opposed to the the sponsors and the commercials and all that, then they, they can make big inroads in the sport. Well, you just described XM Sirius. People complained about the onslaught of commercial reads during radio. XM Sirius said, no ads. Like the Live Tour, you get more talking. Now, over the course of 20 years, they've supplemented their subscription model with ads. But your point is, Vulnerable businesses create XM Sirius. Howard Stern says, I can swear and don't have to do all these commercials. <laughs> and so I think your point is a good one. Um, your book, years ago, Oliver Stone made Wall Street. He did not mean to make Gordon Gecko a sympathetic figure, but he did. <laughs> right. That all these young traders wanted to be Gordon Gecko. Not Bud Fox, right? And as I read the Phil book, I'm thinking, do I do I like him more? He's so <laughs> flawed, a bit of a mess, so absurdly confident, at times obnoxious, at times deeply caring and and thoughtful of others. That as I watched that, I thought, not in any way that you were trying to be like Oliver Stone. And create an unsympathetic character. But as you were writing it, did you think to yourself at any point, oh boy, <laughs> this could be punitive. This is damaging. Or did you think, I think when you get the whole enchilada, you kind of, you like it more. Because at the end of your book, I had mixed vibes. At times I thought he's kind of a mess. And then I'm like, it's just part of Phil. It's who he is. Yeah. Well, that, that was, that was my intention is I tried very hard not to legislate people's emotions and feelings towards Phil. I, I didn't come in with an agenda and try and, and push this idea that feels good or feels bad. I, because in some ways he's both like, he's, he's very complex and right. uh, he's very multifaceted. So I just wanted to put it all out there and let each reader take from it what they will. And it's been fascinating to hear the reactions because I've had people say I was never a Phil fan and I've read it and I love the guy now for despite his flaws and he's lost some fans because the, there was things in the book that they found objectionable. And there's, there's people who are very ambivalent, you know, they're, they're torn they're like, well, I love him and I hate him. And, and so I, I think that maybe I did my job because he's not a cardboard cutout. He's, he's not, he's not no. two dimensional. And um, so, yeah, I, 
I, to your question, I was, I was careful. Like I was always trying to bring it back when, when there's great stuff about his philanthropy and it makes you want to hug the guy. Then it's like, all right, well, let's just sprinkle in a little spice here. And then when there, <laughs> when there's things that, you know, that are controversial and, and people might not like, you know, might not appreciate I'm Okay. Let's, let's talk about his mentorship and his, his philanthropy. And so I was always trying to kind of toggle between the, the, the two, the two extremes. So that was sort of an editorial decision, but ultimately it's just how Phil's lived his life. I mean, he's done a lot of great things and he's touched a lot of people and it's been a part of a lot of controversy, a lot of mess. And it's just, it's all in there. It's one of my favorite golf books because you're not judgmental. Uh, you're an observer and a reporter. And I think toggles a perfect word. It, there, there is a, um, you know, the roller coaster effect where it's like, oh, this is a lot. And then there's, you get that brief, oh, what a, what a thoughtful ride this is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, his diet, um, is not surprising. I take people to, I mean, he's, I have somebody in my life who has, a little bit of this personality, which is everything is big. The opinions are big. The gambling's big. Let me ask you this. Was, was the decision to join Live an economic necessity at any point, do you believe? I mean, he's made well into hundreds of millions. But then I read about his gambling losses. And remember, he can make 100 million, but in California, you get 50. If you lose right. 50 million, you lost 100 million. Do you That's believe, right. Alan, are there's some economic necessity here? Yeah, I think there was some uh, economic motivation. I mean, it, it was interesting because after the book came out, Phil started using the word addiction in, in regards to his gambling. He'd never said that. I think that that was a powerful statement. Um, and again, with Phil, you never know. Like, is is part of that? Is he worried about this Billy Walters book that's coming? And Billy really knows about Phil's gambling. And by couching yourself in the terms of addiction, is that making you more sympathetic? So, come what may, you can say, "Well, I had a problem. I've addressed it. I've moved on." Or was it a very sincere, you know, opening of the soul and, and trying to reach out to people who may have had their own issues and let them know that he's with them and and he's been through it as well. I mean, you never know with Phil. It's it, he's he's such a um personality test that how you take that. But the the fact is for him to say that was powerful and it tells you that it was a huge force in his life and it was a destructive force and um he claims that he's, you know, Phil can always make money. So whatever whatever his problems were and even if he was starting at scratch as of a year ago, the PGA championship victory and the bonuses and, and now the, the live money, he should be on easy street, but you know, he said that he was candid that it's something he still has to work on. He's going to work on for the rest of his life. So it's that, that temptation is always there. We all have addicts in our life and we know the the struggle that they, they deal with. And so um, I think Phil's okay, but I think there was a time when it was very tenuous and that's probably what, what forced him to seek help. You know, um, Reading your book and the opinions, obviously, there's people that don't want to be quoted. Uh, some people aren't confrontational. And if they don't love Phil, they don't want it out there. There's plenty of people, you know, in my sphere that probably don't like me, but wouldn't want to be quoted, right, for the pushback. Um, if not from me, from fans, right? Like, I get it, right? People, anonymous is very powerful. Um, but when I read your book, I didn't think Phil was liked or disliked. I thought players are kind of fascinated with him. They're not jealous of him, but kind of. There, there's a part of him that I think every golfer's like, I kind of like to hang out with Phil for four or five days. Like, I don't know if envy is the right word, Alan, 
but there's a wonderment. I don't know if he's liked. He's a little too cocky to be beloved by all, but he is genuine. Um, I think his people are a little, even today, I think his friends are kind of fascinated by him. Am I off here? No, I, I think that's very astute. And, you know, I tried very hard in the book not to have anonymous sources. I mean, almost everyone put their name on it, which was important to me. Yes. And, um, it was interesting because I've been writing about Tiger as long as I've been writing about Phil. And when you, when I've done some big deep dives on Tiger for Sports Illustrated, for cover stories yes. and all that, and you call people up and they'll talk to you, but they don't, they don't want their name attached because of the blowback, because Tiger can be very vindictive and the people around him are very uptight. Um, and so many people, when I called them about Phil, they were delighted to talk about him. And um, uh, Jaime Diaz, who's been in the sport forever as a reporter and, and he was he was a tiger chronicler from an early age. So people have always gotten to Jaime, and he had to be, be very careful what he said and didn't say. And and he said to me at one point, he said, "Man, it's fun talking about Phil." He's like, "Let's keep going." You know, he was having a great time. <laughs> just like you're unencumbered, um, and and everyone does have stories. And it's it's funny though because I asked many players who are Phil's close friends on tour, and people really struggled to answer that. Um, and a lot of them couldn't come up with any names. You know, he had. He's kind of, he bounces from group to group and he'll, he'll run this little wolf pack in these Tuesday money games. And I think he wears people out and he moves on to a different group. And it's right. part of charitably, you could call it mentorship. You know, he's taking on the, all these young players under, under his, under his wing and he's showing them uh, the ways of the world and um, he's building relationships, but he doesn't have those deeply rooted friendships. You know, if you talk about Tiger Woods, you'd say no to Begay, you'd say Marco Mira, you would say, uh, Charles Howe, you know, you can come up with half dozen names pretty quickly, but with Phil, people came up empty. And I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, he's close to his, some of his college teammates, but in talking to people in more contemporary in Phil's life, he's like, they only know one side of him. It's a very specific side. And so I think in some ways, uh, Phil's kind of a cipher or a chameleon. And I think that serves him well in, in certain scenarios, but I think there's also a, maybe a loneliness and an isolation and um, I think some of the decisions he's made, it's clearly, I mean, it's pretty clear. He's not had adv good advice around him and he's kind of winging right. it. I mean, he even saw that, that statement he put out after my book excerpt dropped, you know, it was a total word salad. It was all over the place. Right. He, he, was, he made himself both the hero and the victim of the same press release. And there was, it was like, obviously it, it read like a Donald Trump midnight tweet storm. You know, it was just a total <laughs> mess. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And like someone needed to reel him back in, but he, I don't think he has those people in his life except for Amy. And she's, She's taken on, I mean, I haven't seen her in a tournament since I think the fall masters going on two years ago. She's taken on a much lower profile, impossible to say exactly what's going on there. But um, I, I wonder how many people have Phil has close to him day to day and who he can really go to. And I think that's part of, um, you know, his, his personality type. He's, even though he's, he's always chewing the scenery and he's always in the middle of, of, of some conversation at proving to people how smart he is. I do sense like a, a loneliness there. And, and so, you know, for, for him going to live golf is, is a fresh start. You know, he gets to be the captain of a team. He gets to draft guys. He gets to create his own little world around him. Right, and I right. think that's part of the appeal is like, okay, this is a much more intimate tour. 
I've kind of put myself on the line to create this. These guys were coming over here and getting this big money. They're a little beholden to me. And I, I think it was a chance for him to, to reshape his, his whole world in, in a way that was attractive and, and maybe necessary. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. The book is called Phil. Um, it's just fantastic. And it's it's an easy read. It's storytelling. It's funny. Um, I read the first half on a plane. And if you've ever sat next to somebody on a plane who's laughing out loud, it makes you <laughs> want to go buy the book. So I sold your I sold your book to at least one guy in A, B. I was in A, uh, 1A. Um, I want to circle back to Greg Norman. So you know, I, I tend to defend skiers and tennis players and golfers. Um, it's hard. They're solo acts. Um, almost a single-minded selfishness. 
is really the opposite of team sports. It can be a great beneficiary to you. I mean, you can look at the great Olympic skiers and the great tennis players, McEnroe on. Um, They're intense. They're irascible. And so, you know, I when I looked at Greg Norman, he was fascinating. He was from Australia. Um, The shark, he had branding before branding. I mean, honestly, he's one of the first branded athletes I ever remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can remember the color of his shirts and the collars were different. And you guys had uh, your, your situation um, where there's he's looking sternly behind you. And <laughs> not knowing Greg and knowing you what I know, I, I laughed at it. I thought, oh, brother, this is going to be another book. But um, like Dana White creating UFC, like Vince McMahon. This is going to be a polarizing tour, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to get ripped, and you're going to need security. And not that I defended Greg in that moment, but I thought, I've seen this before. I've seen this build before, and it takes a feistiness, and Norman is perfect for it, in my opinion. I I look at it, and I think he's the guy I would have selected. Golf's Jack is too golf traditional. Greg always felt from Australia coming here. He feels like the guy that would have done this. And so not that I'm sympathetic, Alan, but like, I get it. I get Norman in this tour. Does that make sense? Totally. And yeah, I I think what you said is very perceptive. I mean, he's an iconoclast and that's always been his role in the game. And Norman, he's taken a lot of shrapnel through the years, but he's, He's always like Phil has done more recently, you know, Greg back in the nineties was fighting for a lot of the, these same battles. You know, the players should have a bigger slice of the pie that they should have control of their media rights, that they should uh, have control of their branding, that, that the tour was there to serve them, not the other way around. I mean, he's, he's a, had a very particular point of view for a long time. And as PGA tours gotten bigger, more money's flowed into professional golf post tiger. I think a lot of players have, have come around to that same point of view. It took him 20 years or longer, but I mean, Norman was, was very much ahead of his time, as you said. And so, uh, it's, he's kind of the right man at the right time. He's, he's a polarizing figure. Uh, he's, he, he loves the media. He loves the limelight. He loves the juice, you know, to use a word that that's been thrown around with Phil and it's, it takes it. I mean, I'm amazed he has a stomach for this because he's 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 taken a lot of bullets. And the guy's you know 68 years old. You would presume he's got all the money he needs, but for him, there's and he, no one no one deals with the salaries if there's not they're not getting paid. So certainly he, he's he's got a nice check out of this. But it's more about vindication. This is a 30 year grudge that he that goes back to his battles with the tour when he was outfoxed and humiliated, and so. I think in the end, Norman probably would have done this for free because it's a chance to be right. It's a chance to stick it to the tour. It's a chance to reshape the whole sport in his own image in certain ways. And for a guy like Greg who thinks about his legacy and for for who cares and who's always wanted to be this agent of change, it's just an absolutely delicious opportunity. And, uh, you know, he's made a few minor missteps along the way and he's put his foot in his mouth a couple of times, but you Overall, you have to say it's impressive what he's built in a very short period of time. And it takes a certain cult of personality. You know, the people who work for Live Golf, I've now been, I was at the event in, in London, as you referenced. I was also the one in Portland. 
Uh, I don't think I'm, there's only a couple of reporters who can say they went to both. And there is, there is a cult of personality around Norman, the people who were running operations and running the details of live golf, they're true believers. And he's the reason why. And so, uh, and you know, he's out there, he's, he's having fun with the players. And I, it's interesting because the PJ tour commissioner is always a bureaucrat. And the players always look at, at them as a, as an opponent and as, as almost like a school principal, you know, who's waiting to scold you, but Norman's an equal and he's a peer. And he's in a lot of ways, I mean, none of these guys are going to be number one in the world for 330 weeks. Like Greg Norman was right. Like he's done things they could only dream about as a player. So right. they, they really look at him differently as he he's a protector and, and he's a, he's a patriarch and it's just a different energy between the players and Norman versus what the players had with, with the PJ tour commissioner. And, and he's, he's maximized and exploited that. And he's, he's done a great job bringing these guys into the fold, feeling like they're part of something bigger that they're playing for, for something that, that matters to them, which is uh, obviously money, but also being able to do things their way and, and to have a voice and to have control of their destiny, which most of them felt like they didn't have on the PGA tour. Let's wrap it up. Your rail, your relationship with Phil this very moment, now that the book has been published, how is it? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's, I'd say it's distant. You know, I've been trying to get an audience with him at, at these, at these events and the, um, he has people around him who have way overreacted. Like in, in the final analysis, now that I've had a chance to like dig into what happened, you know, I was at that press conference at the first, the first London event and, uh, and I got bounced out by security goons and it, it wasn't the live people. It was, it was Phil's people who, who sent them my way. And, you know, I think this is all trying to piece it together and everyone has a different story. But from what I, my interpretation is it was someone from his management company just overreacted. And so whether Phil was in on it, whether he knew, um, I cannot say, but so I didn't get a chance to really interact with them at that tournament. I did ask him a question at the U S open in a press conference and it was a simple question. It wasn't a gotcha thing. And he answered it straightforward. And I, that took a little air out of things, but um, you know, he, he played poorly in, in Portland at that event. And I just didn't really, I was trying to get, I was always closing in on a moment and then it, it evaporated, you know, the, like I said, there, there's not really, we don't have access to the locker rooms and, uh, with the shotgun finishes, everyone comes in all at once. You know, it's not a steady, orderly stream of golfers on the 18th hole. Like right. you got the entire field converges in the parking lot, and so uh, it just hasn't happened. So I would still like to have a chat with him, just human to human. And uh, you know, he's, he's got my phone number. I'm, I'm available. It's just a question of <laughs> what he what he wants to say and when he wants to say it. But I I would like to have that conversation. I, I hope we will, and uh, we'll see how it goes. One more, Brandel Chambly. Um had a a quote on the air and he said i forget it was during an event and he said you know phil's 31 over dustin johnson's playing terrible golf is that you got the bag why do you have to play great golf and i thought i don't know if that's true because i've patrick mahomes got the bag and he still cares but as as the commentator said, this is not a team sport. Do you think that players are a bit disincentivized to work on their games? Um, I thought it was interesting because all golfers are more fascinating when they play great golf, right? But there is yeah. no, you know, I, I thought it was an interest. My takeaway was, I'm not sure he's right. 
but it's certainly psychologically possible. Do you sense that? Yeah, but you could you could you could extend that to when a guy won the FedEx Cup and won fifteen million dollars, life changing money. You know, they they did they just mail it in the next season? No, I mean, I think it's human nature to be complacent, um, but the go- great golfers are obsessive, right? Like that's what drives right. Them. They are and when when Phil Mickelson stands over a golf ball, whether it's in his backyard or it's at the Masters or it's some live event. He wants to hit a great shot. That's how he's been conditioned. Now, is he? Are, when when these guys sign for this big money, are they going to put in the time at the gym and in the tournament prep? Are they? Do they have that same hunger? We'll find out. It, it's too small a sample size so far to say that, you know, based on two tournaments on the Live Tour or a couple majors, that these guys are mailing it in. I, we just don't know that. And um, you know, the idea that they're because they're not on the PGA Tour now, they're they're not going to grind. I mean, the financial incentives on the Live Tour are monumental, and professional golfers, by definition, play for money. And so, these guys are going to go hard. I mean, I'm not sure there's much difference between a regular tour event and a Live event, as, as far as you know. There's a, a few special ones, but you're, if you're at Memorial with with Jack Nicklaus, if you're at the LA Open because of the the grandeur of Riviera, like. There's a five or six PJ Tour events that are really special week in, week out. The other three or four dozen, the difference between, you know, Sea Island and versus the Quad Cities, like they all kind of blend <laughs> together. And so they do. I, they do. And so I think that professional golfers, they, you know, they are, they have to motivate themselves. They're playing three weeks in a row and they're at a B list event. What makes them want to play well? I mean, partly it's they're they're chasing money, and there's a lot more money to chase than the live tour. And so, um, I don't really agree that these guys are going to stop trying. But I think we'll, you know, this time next year, after we've we've completed you know basically a year and a half of live competition, and we've seen how these guys perform in the majors along the way, I think we can we can maybe start drawing some conclusions. But it's too early right now. The book is called Phil, the rip-roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar. Um, he also writes for the Fire Pit Collective. It's really a good read. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, you grab it a couple times and you, you put it down and you're like, you know, it's it's like one of those binge-watching Netflix shows. It's going to take you a couple of days, six episodes. Folks, you're going <laughs> to absolutely love it. And I, as I said earlier, I don't know. Flawed Phil, fun Phil, is fulfilling Phil. I liked him. Um, Alan, absolute pleasure for me. You're such a great storyteller and a reporter. Um, You're really sharp. And I just, you know, you got things going on in your life. Now you're chasing Greg Norman or he's chasing you, and I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for all the kind words. It means a lot to me. Appreciate Colin. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.